This is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. Did you know that Mother's Day produces the highest volume of mail, like physical mail, for Canada Post? Even more than Christmas, by a significant amount. Mother's Day is also the busiest and most popular day of the year for restaurants. Some of you know this. Valentine's Day is second. Father's Day, a distant third. (laughs) Some of you may already, you're you're, you're psyched up and you're you're preparing yourself to stand in line at Roseland or Caesars for the Mother's Day brunch. And if that's you, go for it. Enjoy that. Treat your mom. And I recognize that Mother's Day contains a mixture of emotions. For some, this is a wonderful day, and we want to celebrate, but for others, this is really hard. It's a tough day, and we want to recognize that. And whatever your experience, we do want to take time to honor moms and motherhood. This, this institution, whatever your experience has been, was created by God and was created good. So any mom or, or grandma that's here, we want to say we thank you, respect you, we love you, we appreciate you, we owe you so much, and happy Mother's Day to you this morning. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to please turn with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter 31. If you hit the, uh, the book of Psalms as you're turning, just go to the right a little bit. If you hit Song of Songs or Ecclesiastes, go to the left. Proverbs is right in the middle, 31. And if you are familiar with this passage, you might already be thinking, oh, great. A Proverbs 31 sermon on Mother's Day. This is just going to reveal my shortcomings and weaknesses in contrast to the amazing woman depicted in these verses here. Well, I want you to hear something right from the start. That's not my intention. Okay, yes, Proverbs 31 does describe this excellent, virtuous woman, and it's, it's a high bar. It puts a pretty high standard up there. But that bar is not meant to crush or intimidate people. It's not meant to be a burden that you're like, oh, and, and be so defeated with. It's meant to be something to strive towards. It's meant to motivate you as we look at this person who's described as being excellent and, and quality and, and virtuous. Proverbs 31 presents an example of the kind of woman that you would want to marry, the kind of woman that you would want to be your mom or your kid's mom, but it's also an example for all women, every woman, regardless of age or stage in life. In fact, there's actually a lot of stuff in here that men and women can both learn from. So this is for everybody. So if you're a guy and you're like, oh, this is a Mother's Day sermon. I'm just going to open up Candy Crush. No. (laughs) You're not getting away with that one. There's something for everybody here. We're not going to read the entire passage this morning, but we will focus on a number of verses. And again, while this passage is, yeah, focus on women, Proverbs 31, what we're going to see is that Proverbs 31 gives a call for everybody to pursue godliness, and develop good character. And if you're anything like me, you need encouragement to do that. You need reminders. You need cheerleaders along the way. So we're going to look at five different encouragements to pursue godliness or persevere in godliness. Some of you, maybe you're here, you're like, I've never really pursued godliness much in my life. This is the chance to start. Some of you have been pursuing godliness for many years. This is the encouragement to keep going, to persevere, to not give up. So the first encouragement is work hard, encouragement to work hard. We're going to look at verse 13, 17, and 27. Verse 13 says, She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. 
Verse 17, jump down, says, she dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. Verse 27, she looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Okay, so back to verse 13, mentions working with willing hands. I know lots of people who work hard. They're, they're hard workers for all kinds of various reasons. And one of them is like, oh, I have to work hard, so I work hard. But verse 13 is a contrast. There's a willingness here to work. There's a willingness to be responsible, a willingness to be diligent in all the different things that you have going on in your life. This is not a begrudging, oh, I guess I'm going to work hard. There's an eagerness. I'm happy to help here. How can I help? I'm willing to put the extra time in being diligent. Now, why would we need encouragement to be like this kind of person? Why would we need encouragement to work hard? Answer, because it's easier to be lazy. It's just easier to be lazy. It's easy to have a bad attitude. It's easier to not want to go to work. It's easier to just complain and complain and complain, whether that's at the office, whether it's at home, whether it's at school, it's just easier to be lazy. And it's important for us to recognize, whether you're a woman, a mom, or whoever you are, that ultimately what we're working for is we're working for the Lord. Colossians 3, 23 and 24 says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So moms, you think about this. All that you do is not primarily for your family. Ultimately, all you do is for the Lord. And he's the one that sees everything that happens behind the scenes when no one else sees and appreciates it. He sees. He knows. You're serving the King of Kings. So work hard. Be diligent. Verse 17. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. This doesn't mean that you've got to be a super fit, jacked up bodybuilder to be a good woman. The Hebrew expression here is more like she rolls up her sleeves and gets to work. She doesn't back down from a challenge. She doesn't give up when the going gets tough. She gets her done kind of thing, okay? She holds her ground and keeps going to work hard. Now, verse 27, she looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Again, the bread of idleness is just being lazy. So she's not lazy. She does her best to keep things in order. Again, this does not mean that everything is completely organized 100% of the time and there's not a speck of dust anywhere in the house or anywhere at the workplace or something like that. It means that you're diligent to the responsibilities that you have. Okay? If you've got children, then you're working hard to make sure their needs are met. And many of you in this church, man, I want to encourage you. You guys are doing this. We have such amazing families in this church who are working hard. I'm not saying you get it right all the time. I don't get it right all the time. But you're working hard. You're being diligent. So good on you guys. Keep it up. Don't give up. Now, some people we know are naturally more administrative and organized than others. And that's okay. That's a kind of a personality thing. Nothing wrong with that. But I have seen... Some people so focused on working hard to have everything perfectly spotless in the house that sometimes spending time with the people in that house can take a back seat. So I, wanna, I just want to encourage you. It might drive you crazy to see that mess in that room, the socks on the floor or whatever it is. That might drive you crazy, and you're just like, I'm just going to clean this up right now. Or I'm gonna... Can I just challenge you? Before you get like the anger clean mode, Can you just pause for one second and thank God for the people in the house that you have that made that mess? 
And then maybe thank the Lord and say, I'm willing to spend a couple minutes with those people rather than just clean the mess first. And after you spend a few minutes with them, recruit them to clean up the mess. It's their mess. I just preached to myself there. Those socks. So work hard. Fight against laziness. The next encouragement is to be compassionate and generous. And we find this from verse 20. It says, She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. So compassion is this idea of having a soft, a tender heart for the situation of other people. And some days, it seems really easy to do that, to have empathy for those that are struggling, whether it's in your household or other people. Like we, we just heard about the mission strip report. Sometimes it's really easy to enter into that. And you're just like, yes, I'm, I'm so, oh wow, I'm just overflowing with compassion. But then there's other times it's not so easy. Maybe you're dealing with somebody for a number of years and it's the same issue over and over again. And you're like, I'm trying really hard to be empathetic and compassionate. But ah, Or maybe you've got a kid that just like cries a lot every time anything happens. And so it's almost like the boy who cried wolf because it's like, I hear your tears, I see your tears, and I probably should care, but I really don't because you cry about everything. That's hard. It's hard. And in those moments, we need to pray. We need to ask God, hey, keep my heart soft. Keep my heart soft. Help me be full of compassion to my children and everybody else. And then being generous. Generosity, this idea, is, is openly sharing, giving what we have. Now, of course, this can and it should include finances, absolutely. But when I think about moms, I tend generally to think about the energy and time that they give, how generous they are with their time. They give themselves away so much to meet the needs of the people in their family, whether that's helping with the science project or staying up late to talk about that uh, romantic breakup or whatever it is, hours and hours spent driving to or coaching sports teams or other extracurricular stuff, Watching a movie that you hate, but you know your son will love. All of those things. Sacrifice of time. And on top of that, keeping your eyes open to the needs of other people who are not in your family and doing what you can to meet those needs. See, Proverbs 31 is saying this excellent or virtuous woman is someone who focuses on the needs of others more than themselves. They're others focused. And in so doing, you actually model the Lord Jesus who had perfect compassion on people and who gave generously of himself to the point of death so that we could be found, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be reconciled to God. So keep it up. Compassion, generosity, keep it up. Because when you are compassionate, when you are generous, you are acting like Jesus and you are representing him well. So keep going. The next encouragement is encouragement to use our words to bless others. Verse 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. So whether you're a mom or not, I think we all understand that speaking with wisdom and kindness is is the way to go. It's the best approach. Wisdom is knowing what to say and when to say it. But kindness relates to how you say what you say. Because you can say wise and true things all the time, but you can say it in a harsh way, a sharp way, a sarcastic way that brings pain and confusion to those that you're speaking to. It says that the teaching of kindness is on our tongue. So when you're giving instruction, explaining something to your kids or anyone else, how is it that you're explaining it? And particularly about your kids. How are we teaching them? Is it with kindness and patience and wisdom? Or is it frustration 
anger, impatience, and yelling is a hard one for me. Those of you who know me, like words, the words are hard for me. This has been like my issue for most of my life, words, kindness and words. Uh, one doctor did a study on the impact of consistently raising your voice and yelling in an angry tone at your kids. She found that when kids are yelled at, their brain goes into either fight, flight, or freeze mode, none of which are good for healthy brain development, especially at younger ages. If the yelling happens repeatedly, it can ingrain the behavior. This will uh, lead, more likely lead to the child growing up as one who gets impatient and yells in anger as well. The doctor goes on to say that there are, however, appropriate times to raise your voice and yell at your kids. For example, your child is hurting another child or is getting hurt by someone else or there is an actual threat of danger or an emergency, you need to yell in order to get their attention. But if yelling is the norm, then they just drown out yelling and they never stop when you do actually yell. She says, yell to warn, speak kindly to explain and teach. This only confirms what God's word already has told us in Proverbs 15, verse 1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So we've all got to recognize the power of our words regardless of who we are, what role we're in. And the encouragement of Proverbs 31, 26 is to use our words wisely, to teach others with kindness so that we are a source of blessing to those in our family and everybody else. So you kind of ask yourself this question this morning. Are my words bringing blessing to the people that hear them? I know it's hard. Trust me, I know it's hard. Every day is hard. Whether it's a red shirt ended up in the white laundry load, or your daughter happened to find your lipstick and said, hey, you know, I'm going to redecorate the bathroom. Or your son bit your daughter again. Okay? So many times. Um, or they, your kids just refuse to go to sleep. Or maybe it's at work and the people, your coworkers, you're, you had this big project and, and they drop the ball and you're like, ah, use kind words. Or, or maybe your neighbor is just a flat out jerk. It's really hard to choose kindness. It's hard. It's hard. But it's better. And it's the way of Jesus. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile back, but spoke with the perfect combination of grace and truth all of the time. And through the Holy Spirit's help, it's actually possible for us to develop kindness in our character. Galatians 5, and 23 lay out the fruit of the Spirit, the evidences of growth in your life. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, God, through his Spirit, begins to work in you. And kindness is on the list. Kindness is on the list. It is possible to grow in kindness. If we seek the Lord and say, Holy Spirit, fill me, change me, help me. When I'm wanting to yell, when I'm wanting to give that look, when I'm wanting to whatever it is, Holy Spirit, help me to be kind. Help me to be kind. Man, how many times I need to pray that. Ask him for help. Next encouragement we have is to cultivate godly character. To cultivate godly character. Verse 23 and 28. Verse 23 says, Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. And verse 28 says, Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Okay, so what's going on in these two verses? These two verses speak to the results of cultivating godly character. 
So her husband is known in the streets, and his reputation, his reputation benefits because of her nobility and character. People find out that you're related. It's like, wait, that's your wife? Dude, you married up. She is awesome. Right? It just says the guy is known in the gates when he sits among the elders. He's just sitting there, and everyone's like, dude, you've got the best wife. She's amazing. She's an amazing woman of God. And then you have verse 28, depicting this this family rising up and and giving their, their wife, the mom, blessing and praising her. Yeah, and we do this officially. Mother's Day, Valentine's Day, birthdays, anniversaries. But this goes beyond kind of that regulated calendar, almost lip service, and you know, the dad's like, hey, sign the card, tell your mom she's great. This is genuine and spontaneous appreciation for how great their mom is. They recognize how special their mom is, and like, mom is great, we love her, mom, mom, we love you. Going beyond moms for a bit again, this applies to everybody. Your character. You think about yourself, you say, what's my character like? My reputation, my name. What am I known for? When people say my name, does it evoke a positive response or a negative one? When someone says, hey, blank is, is they're here, are you pumped? Or blank is coming around, are you like, oh, I'm so excited that they're coming? Not just because maybe you're the life of the party and you can tell some jokes, but because of your actual godly character. We kind of take some stock. Again, something to strive towards. It doesn't happen overnight. That's why the word is cultivate godly character. This takes time. This takes effort. This takes practice to increase in godliness. But believers in Jesus Christ can take heart because the will and plan of God for you is this. God's will for you, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, is your sanctification. You're like, hey, what's God's will for my life? This is the will of God, your sanctification. There you go. Sanctification is a big Word that simply means the process of, of increasing holiness, becoming more like Jesus. That's what it means. And this is God's will for you. You are a believer in Jesus. This is God's will, his plan for you to become more like Jesus. And he is faithful to accomplish his will and plans. He who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion. So you ask him, surrender to him. Help me to grow in godliness. Help me to become more and more like Jesus. I just want to encourage you, man, cultivate godly character. If you are, keep going. If you haven't, start now. Start today. Especially, I mean, if you're younger, start now. Don't wait. Younger girls especially, man, find somebody who embodies some of Proverbs 31 and just get with them. Just be around them. And if you're here, maybe you're a little bit older, whether age or in the faith, and you you could say, I think I have some of Proverbs 31, not in an arrogant way, but I think I've cultivated some of this. Find somebody, get with them who doesn't, teach them, whether they're younger in age or younger in the faith. Show them what you have learned. Help encourage godly character. And for those of you who are here, you've got some kind of wonderful woman in your life, whoever that is. There's somebody in your life that is pursuing godliness, I think we need to do a better job of encouraging them overall. Not just on specific days like this. We need to be their cheerleaders. Whether that is a mom, whether that's a wife, whether that's a, a sister or grandma, an aunt, a daughter, a cousin, or a friend. If you know any woman in your life that is actively trying to pursue godliness, cheer them on. 
it is hard to pursue godliness in 2019, to say no to the world and yes to the Lord. We need cheerleaders. It is tough, but it can be a little bit easier if we support each other and cheer each other on along the way. Our final encouragement this morning comes from verse 30, and it's about fearing and serving the Lord. Verse 30, it says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Wow, what a verse to finish on. Charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain. Why is charm deceitful? It's deceptive because it doesn't actually reveal anything about your character. In fact, it may be used to mask certain character deficiencies. You can be the charming, funny, kind of flirty one, and it, and it puts up this wall. Well, who are you really? Beauty is vain, not because it's evil. Okay? There's nothing wrong with being beautiful. It's vain because it's fleeting, fades away. All of us get older. All of us will or already do experience some wrinkling, some sagging. This is life, okay? This is what happens, all right? This is just reality. But I will say some people probably accept this reality better than other people do. And believe me, I recognize I'm treading into some sensitive territory right now (laughs) as a guy uh, (laughs) talking about the pursuit of beauty on Mother's Day. This could be a lose-lose here. But in no way am I trying to critique, slam, or judge women at all. Just walking through the Word of God. But I did find some information. Some information. This is not my information. This is just information. The average woman during their lifetime will spend $15,000 on beauty products for their face. Number one product is mascara. The average woman, average, average, (laughs) will spend $55,000 on hair products and appointments in their life. And the average person, this is men and women together, so we're we're okay with this one. The average person will spend $112,000 on physical fitness. Memberships, programs, products, supplements, procedures, operations, whatever it is in their lifetime. If you add all that up, it comes close to $200,000 on a body that won't last no matter what you do. (laughs) Which scripture, in fact, calls our bodies a temporary tent or a jar of clay that is subject to age and decay. So my question is, imagine, just imagine, if half of that time, energy, effort, and money spent on chasing or maintaining physical beauty was redirected towards serving God and expanding his kingdom and making disciples. Just half. Now, again, please hear me. Please hear me. It was his last sermon he ever preached. Um, I'm not saying that it's bad for you to take care of yourself. I'm not saying you can't buy mascara or you can't buy a new dress or you can't get your hair done. I'm not saying that, okay? But what I am saying is that in all of Proverbs 31, which describes the excellent or virtuous woman, physical beauty comes up one time and it's in verse 30 and it's kind of in a negative tone, almost like a warning tone. He's saying this is not the primary thing to focus on. Scripture encourages women 
to focus on fearing and serving the Lord, focusing on Him, becoming like Him, knowing Him. So 1 Peter 3, 3 and 4 says, Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable, imperishable, remember, fading, versus imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Again, it doesn't mean you can't ever braid your hair or you can't ever wear a bracelet or a necklace or something like that. It means focus on knowing God, serving God, following God. Focus on developing your inner beauty, the character that God says is imperishable, that God says is very precious, that will last. Focus on what God says matters, not what the world says matters. The world is messed up. I just want to be clear again. Physical beauty, not bad, okay? It's not bad for you to be physically attractive. Don't wake up and be like, oh, man. No, okay? It's okay to have physical beauty. It's okay for your, your husband to find you attractive, okay? That's okay. That's good. But attractiveness, again, in Proverbs 31, is relatively secondary to comp- compared to what makes the woman excellent and praiseworthy. So think back. For those of you that have or have had a really good mom in your life, Chances are, the first thing that you think about when you're like, oh man, this is why she was so great, is probably not, she was drop-dead gorgeous. (laughs) She may have been drop-dead gorgeous. That's probably not the first thing you think about, though, if you have positive memories of a mom. Chances are, the positive memories you have are because she embodied some of the qualities in Proverbs 31. That she was a hard worker, that she's compassionate, that she's loving, that she's selfless, that she's generous, that she's kind. She's one who loves God and teaches you to love God as well. This is what matters most, to love and serve the Lord. That relationship with the Lord, that's what makes her an example of wisdom and an example of holiness and righteousness to emulate to other people. How is your relationship with Jesus? In the list of priorities, the things that we spend money and time and energy on, where does that slot in? encourage you just invest in what's going to last invest in teaching people about jesus if you have kids or grandkids invest in them showing them the ways of the lord and as we kind of wrap up this morning even though the encouragement is to fear and serve the lord i want to let you know that no matter how hard you try to be the best mom the best wife best woman best person you're going to have moments of failure you're, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to screw up. You're going to have doubts. You won't be 100% perfect and faithful to God all the time. And you're going to say, this is kind of depressing. Why are you finishing on this kind of a downer on Mother's Day? You're not going to do it. Why would I say things like this? Because even though we want to honor moms, okay, we have to understand, even the best mom in history has screwed up. And if we had the time, and we got all the moms up on stage, and we just said, hey, why don't you share with us your mistakes, we would be here, two minutes, uh, no, <laughs> we'd be here a long time. 
We've all, we've all made mistakes. Every mom has made mistakes. Because the goal, while we want to honor moms, the goal is not worship mom. The goal is honor and worship God who's never made a mistake. Who's always faithful. We want to look to the one who's never screwed up. We sang, man, you are good when there's nothing good in me. I'm running to your arms. I need to run to your arms. You're the one who is perfect. You're the one to look forward to. You're the one who is amazing. You're the one who's faithful even when we're faithless. That, that's the goal. Look to Jesus, our God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And moms, the invitation from Jesus, he says, come to me. Come to me, all you who need rest, burden, heavy laden. Any moms that are feeling burdened like they're carrying heaviness? Any moms? Any, anybody willing to say, hey, I got some burdens? Come to Jesus, he says. Come and find rest for your soul. Not come and guaranteed you're going to find rest for your physical body and you're going to be gorgeous for the rest of your life. Come and find rest for your soul. Come find rest for your soul. Come to Jesus. His name is faithful and true, Revelation says. We come to the one who can not only encourage you, but who can actually sustain you each and every day through the grind. Come to the one who's never going to fail you, the one who loves you so much that he came, that he died for you, paid the price of your sins, and then rose again to forgive you and welcome you into his family forever. That's who we come to. We bring our weaknesses, we bring our doubts to the one whose mercy and faithfulness is greater than anyone else. That's the encouragement this morning. Let's pray together. Father God, we want to say thank you for your word. Thank you because it teaches us where to go and how to think and what to do. Father, I want to pray for every single mom who's here. I pray ultimately, Lord, that they would not feel burdened or crushed down this morning, but they would be motivated by your spirit, motivated to follow hard after you, motivated to trust in you because you are good. You are faithful. You are the one that we need. Family, kids, husbands, status, those things will never fully satisfy us. Only you will. And Lord, I want to pray for everybody here, whether we're a mom or not. I pray that you would spark in each of our hearts a desire to know you, to follow you, to serve you. To say no to the culture, no to the world, and yes to you and your word cultivate a godly character, to be willing, willing to, to stand out in the pursuit of holiness, willing to be maybe left out because we want to fear and serve you. We thank you that you love us. Jesus, thank you that you came and you died for us. Thank you that you sustain us by the word of your power. You uphold the entire universe by the power of your words. You can uphold us. And you have. You are great, and great is your faithfulness. Amen.